0: dreamers. Thank you for learning with us today on DreamSpeak. I'm Ricka. And I'm Thomas. And this is the podcast about dreams that teaches you a complete system to help you listen to your dreams and get the guidance they're providing you every day.
1: Our guest today is Adam Blue, our good friend and our podcasting coach since before we started DreamSpeak. Adam Blue has his own channel on YouTube called Gundam Explained. He was interested in Dream Interpretation and kind enough to offer to support us very early on. Welcome, Adam. Yes, thank you. Thank you
2: for having me. This is exciting. Adam, could you tell us a little bit more about your channel and how you see your own project? Yeah, my channel on YouTube, Gundam Explained, is really, like you said, where I'm exploring the Gundam universe, talking about it. What it is for me, it's a creative outlet. I've always wanted to be a filmmaker, I feel like, but it's like, I'm not doing those things, but making videos, being able to edit, tell stories kind of satisfies that need. And so uh, I think it's a journey that I'm on. I don't think that what I'm doing right now is like my end goal, but I'm excited to see how it's unfolding and leveraging my content creation skills. And that's how we were able to work together as well. So it's a big part of me.
1: Cool. Yeah. And it's really cool. I know how passionate you are about it. Adam, I think that one of the things that we share in common is that you are an open minded person and a person who's willing to try new things and be experimental.
2: Would you agree with that? Yeah. And that wasn't always the case. What kind of things changed to prompt that in you? It was just experiences as I had gotten older, mainly past my twenties, you know, once I was developing deeper relationships with a partner, having kids. So trying other things like meditation, psychedelics, slowly I started seeing a different reality in a way where I'm more open and accepting to things and that's been a lot more fulfilling because then I find fun out of things that I necessarily wouldn't have tried before.
1: So take us back there. Do you remember when you first stumbled onto something that made you curious about spirituality?
2: Yeah, and... And I will say that was probably in my early to mid thirties, maybe, and gone most of my life considering myself to be atheist, even though I didn't even like that term anyway, because I felt like that made a label for something based on the idea that something didn't exist. I was like, I I don't want to be called anything. And, but that was never a problem. You know, my best friends were religious, you know, and I do remember one time when I was in middle school, we were talking about evolution, but I want to say also they were talking about creation too, because I remember... In that room raising my hand and being like you know what thinking about things it doesn't seem like god would exist that sounds crazy to everyone but for me it was kind of growing up where religion wasn't pushed on me but i was curious about the world and so i was always going by the science-led world we lived in that's what kind of got me to question which i found very interesting and so just Growing up, it was just always like that. I was set in this mindset that there's not a being up there that's created and made everything and chooses our destinies and that when we die, we're a soul. Or it's just, no, it's just, this is life. And I was fine with it. And I don't know what caused me to seek out something and I don't know what I was looking for. I just remember one day um, when I was sitting at my computer, I remember looking at my taskbar and saying, you know what, I have too many icons on my taskbar. I think this is distracting mm-hmm. me. You know, I was thinking of looking at it like a room, like I shouldn't have it this cluttered and messy. That way I'm more clear on what I want to do. And I guess it could be because during that time, I think I was realized I need to kind of be healthier and lose weight. And I don't know what I'm doing with my life. You know, I was just working an IT job. What was interesting was around that time, my wife had introduced me to psychedelics and uh, they're trying it. I had never bothered with it before. It's considered illegal. Things have changed since then, but uh, I was always that goody-goody, you know, growing up, but, you know, she was my wife. I trusted her, tried it, and I thought it was neat, but it didn't do anything at first. It wasn't until later, and I guess it was because I accidentally stumbled in an intention the next time I had done it because it was when I was making a peanut butter sandwich, and I just remember picking up bread, putting the knife in the peanut butter, and then spreading it on, but it was like I was appreciating what I was doing, I was able to make myself something to eat. Instead of like, okay, run into the kitchen, grab the knife, spread the peanut butter on, okay, got my sandwich. No, I was like taking my time appreciating it. And I realized, wow, I, I feel a lot of powerful feelings from this, like I appreciate this. And maybe it's part of the, the psychedelic, but if we can achieve this, that should mean something, right? And shortly after that, then I became obsessed with physics and astrobiology. And I was just researching online all the time about how physics work. It's almost like it's one of those things where I feel like people go through these phases when they discover their spirituality and it's like, okay, how did we exist in the first place? Let's get that out of the way so we can figure everything else out. And that was a whole thing too. But during this time, I guess I was more open to what I can do to improve myself. And one of those things was my help. And so there is this influencer, his name is Rich Roll. At that time, I was actually researching barefoot running. Because I wanted to be running more, but I wanted to be able to do it where my feet never hurt. And then I saw this thing about running barefoot or with like zero drop heel. And so I got shoes like that. So I was watching this Rich role guy, but then he started talking about meditation. He was talking about when he was 40, he had a heart attack. So he decided to change his life and become a like professional athlete, but where he would run these Ironman or things similar to that in his mid-40s. I'm like, man, that guy totally changed his life and he's into meditation. Maybe I should pick that up. And so at the time I was working at uh, Microsoft and in their offices, they have a quiet room. So I took advantage of that. And every morning for 20 minutes, I would sit in the quiet room and I went maybe six months straight doing this. And sometimes through that, I would feel the same feelings I would get when I would be on psychedelics. Mm. If I could foster that through meditation, it tells me that's inside me, inside all of us. And it's like, what should I do more to continue? But I guess it's a long way of saying where it was a journey and it wasn't until later in my life that I came a little more open to things and felt like there is something more than what's around us. And sometimes I jump into when you see on the news, what the government's up to, what's going around the world. It's like, okay, am I being further tricked into the reality I'm in? I don't know, but maybe I can do some good. No, while I'm here, that was another thing that happened at the same time as mm. this meditation uh, where uh, someone told me about the secret. So I watched it and I'm like, that's the simplest thing ever. Just you'd be positive about the things you want in life and you'll get them. And then sure enough, that did work. Anyway, all these little things were happening at the same time. And I think that even is what got me into doing this Gundam Explained YouTube, because before I would never watch Japanese anime and up and around wherever that would that's kind of like cringy. And I guess that's something I again where it's like judgment sort of dissolves and you can see things for how they are and not based on the judgment you've accumulated over time.
0: I think that you get to a point where you're like, is this all there is? Is this it now going to work, uh, coming home, making dinner? There's got to be more to life than this. And actually, I think one of the first books that I got was called Science and Spirituality because I was a molecular biologist and I was trying to reconcile spirituality with science. And I found that very fascinating too. And just read a lot of books and trying to get an understanding of, of a deeper
2: meaning to life. Yeah, that, that's a good point. It reminds me how I feel like I appreciated science more as I became spiritual and not just being like, okay, well, science answers everything. I'm good to more of, okay, how does the science come to this conclusion? And based on that, why can't we then uh, explain this or that? And another thing that came out of that was me really being into ancient history. It's more of the mysterious ancient history. Some of the things that we can't explain. And I started seeing patterns and it kind of goes back to where we live in this world a reality where we're told how things are and more and more and being shown examples that things are not what they are making it to me seem like as humans we have a long and interesting history that's probably being hidden from us maybe for our own good but i bet a lot of the spirituality teachings that we have have come from these thousands of years of human knowledge and maybe starting from how we first became these conscious beings in the first place like that moment, whatever made humans so different than any other creature on earth, has to have some meaning and within that, probably some instructions too. And we've probably lost that over time.
0: Well, that is a huge topic in itself, and I well, there's a lot of theories, and a lot of people have ideas about where we come from.
1: You explained, Adam, that that was a big part of your transition from being kind of spiritually curious to feeling more sure from your own personal experience that there is something essentially spiritual about us as beings. What were some of the theories of ancient
2: extraterrestrials or whatever it was that really drew your interest early on in your research? It was interesting because I've always heard the idea of aliens in the past, but I never considered it as, okay, if we were to apply some sort of scientific method to this, or if we were to take ancient writings written to try to describe with a lack of language what's being seen, maybe we can figure out more of our past. And I think the first main thing that stuck out to me was this kind of disaster scenario, the fact that there's a lot of evidence that comets or sunspots or solar ejections, something like that, can hit Earth, cause devastation that would set humans back, make us cavemen, which probably is where that cavemen concept came from because we had nowhere else to live. And then these stories are told in the Bible, and uh, uh, even Aztec history, all around the world. And and I was like, what else could be similar around the world? And that's where I stumbled upon all these ancient megalithic ruins around the world that have the same construction that, that is not explained even today. Just the way some of the stones, how large they are, how some of them are like quartz, granite, but they're pillowing. How could that be possible? And then they're all put together like puzzle pieces, but there's no mortar. And then there's what's called nubs. So on these sites, there's these unexplained nubs, just parts of the stone sticking out. And this is seen in Egypt, Jordan, uh, Thailand, China, Japan, Peru. And I'm seeing more and more of the stuff is like, okay, none of this stuff was taught to me in school. I've never t- talked about the stuff in passing conversation because it is very interesting. And so that was kind of like further that there is more to human history than we know. So that makes me then think, well, anything could be possible. I think anyone could be telling me right now could be just as wrong as it could be right. And so that was just another layer to make me open to, yeah, anything.
1: I'd really emphasize that quality of openness again because that's kind of how we started. But I'd also point out that I've known a lot of people who are open that way, but then they make choices that draw them to things that are very negative. So what did you start relying on for guidance when you got opened up like that?
2: That's a very, very good question, because I feel like before I, like others, was using social media a lot, not knowing the impact it had on me, was doing social media marketing for a living. So I think I had a deeper understanding of how it works. So after my reality kind of changing, being more open to things, I kind of saw the disservice social media was doing to me. And I almost felt like that was a guidepost in in itself. It's like, if this is something that could seem like it came from some online posts on social media, it's probably not, you know, good for me. And even the few times that I will jump on Twitter or something, anytime I see someone being mean to someone else, it triggers me. And it's like, why do you have to be mean? And it's like, okay, I need to step back because I don't want to be thinking all day or for the next hour. Wow, that person was mean. I wish there was something I could do to teach them to not be mean. And it's like, no, I would go nuts. But I think that it's hard. It's a trap. Where if you don't have something to center you, like to question and look at yourself from the outside, it's very easy to fall in these traps. And that's why a lot of times now when I see people being mean online or making huge mistakes, sometimes I feel sorry for them. Because it's like something in their life has guided them to this kind of... Can I
1: interrupt for a sec? That makes me come back to the way that you run Gundam Explained. Because one of the centerpieces of your channel is your Discord server, right? Why don't you tell yeah. people what that is and what your philosophy of operating that community is?
2: Yeah, this is a good one. because So the Discord is just like a chat room. It's an app that is very popular nowadays to be used to create a server where people can jump in and you can just chat and talk to people. And it's a Bigger deal than I ever thought it would be. It's kind of like Zoom or if people are familiar with Microsoft Teams, like when you're at work, that's what Discord is for non-professionals. So with my Discord, the main thing I said from the beginning is this needs to be the most positive experience possible for anybody. And there were some interesting pieces that just fell in place for that to work. Like the first moderator I got for my Discord server was an early uh, subscriber that reached out to me and was like, hey man, I like your stuff. And uh, I found out that he himself is a therapist. So he helps people. And I love that quality. And then he even offered one day to be a mod. And I was like, okay, this is the direction I exactly want to go in. And then shortly after that, the other mod was a, a woman. And typically in the communities, especially like Gundam and online, there's less women in that stuff. And a lot of it mainly is just because sometimes these toxic communities that are mainly male dominated, it can get toxic. But what if I could carve out a place for me and the people like me. And I think it's working. I think because of that openness I found years ago, it's allowed me to really be conscious about the people that I'm interacting with and how to communicate to others.
0: I'm curious, when you went through this opening phase, did you find a teacher or somebody to help you or did you do this on your
2: own? That's a good question. So it started where I was on my own, really, because even then, how excited I am to talk about anything, to talk about meditation, I don't know, I know. listen, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, it's, it's one of those things. I just kind of then kept it to myself. I would talk to my wife about it and she didn't really judge or anything, but he, over time, I would then look up, what are some other people online? I remember when I would go running, I would just be listening to podcasts on YouTube about meditation, history, video games, etc. and then. It was a few years later that after I had lost all that weight from running, it came back. And I guess because I was older, it was harder for me to mm-hmm. run five miles a day. So that way, I uh, reached out to our mutual uh-huh. friend because so, he does the coaching, physical fitness coaching, and he was someone that was a roommate of mine a long time ago. And I remember he would meditate, and I was like, well, what is he doing? And I think I was at the park meditating, and he was there. And I ran up to him, and I'm like, hey. I haven't talked to you in forever. And I was like, hey, I've started meditating. And so we kept in touch from that. And then I went to him, to you know, kind of physical fitness uh, coaching so I can get myself fit again. So talking to him, I'm able to talk to him about, it's not just the fitness, but how's your mindset? And I would always bring up my dreams. I was like, I'm having these dreams. I feel like they mean something. And that's when he suggested I, I talk to you guys. And and that's interesting because if I was to look at who have been my guides, it's been him and you guys. Wonderful. Wonderful
1: for real. Same for you right? You've been our guide into this strange new online world and trying to get our message across and find people that we can help. Yeah. So going back to your friend, but one of the things I think is interesting about him that's worth asking you your opinion on is think personally, he makes himself really spiritually available to people and also available for something that I call
2: synchronicity. Are you familiar with the idea of synchronicities? I think so. And we might have talked about this before because I feel like I have these moments. And I don't know how to explain them. But if you want to continue, well,
0: I, I, go ahead. Yeah. I think just running into him at the park, to me, the first word I thought of was, what is wow. cybernicity? And I think when you're open to it, those kind of situations may present themselves. And yeah. we can align ourselves to have those experiences and they're always beautiful when they happen.
2: Yeah, and I feel like I wonder how long humans go in their lives taking that for granted, not realizing when a synchronicity occurs, that's something special to maybe think about and see what it means. But I think a lot of times I go, oh, what a coincidence. You know, I used to be the coincidence guy. It's like, oh, it's just a coincidence. Uh, lately, though, I guess the universe is specifically speaking to me right now for some reason. Like, that's how I look at it. Like, this is either a movie or the universe is speaking to me, or I'm going on the right path for this moment to converge.
0: I don't even really believe in coincidence anymore. Really? Yeah. I believe in synchronicities. I don't really believe in coincidence.
1: I feel like I believe in coincidences. I think it's a really rich thing to talk about, and I think it's a very important issue, I guess, or at least it's subtle, because I guess what I do nowadays is I almost have like a spectrum of synchronicities. It's kind of like ones that might be very minor, just don't pay much attention to, but the ones that you're kind of hitting on, I think when you're talking about the ones that have been more notable to you, that I do something with Mm -hmm. that. When that happens, like for me, the number three, three, three is extremely significant, Mm -hmm. I consider that to be kind of a pointer towards what I call Christ consciousness, which is essentially the concept Mm -hmm. that I'm an eternal soul and that the nature of our universe at base is essentially sentient and so all things are joined in this really harmonic way or this very joyous way or a very blessed way it's hard to describe in words but that's kind of how i look at the world and so sometimes when i'm having a rough day i'll see a 333 in the weirdest place but i also think that it's not every 333 that i see it's like when i'm in a moment where i really need direction or i need a little bit of self-compassion that's when it might come to me like i'm a school teacher i've mentioned that many times and so uh i only realized like halfway through the school year that every day when i was going to lock up this one particular drawer in my classroom the little silver key that they gave me says 333
0: on the back oh my goodness
1: and i had never noticed that before like day after day i'm using this key and i just turn it over and i'm like
2: what in the world so that was really encouraging for me. Yeah. And that's such a specific thing too, where it's, it, it's really hard for maybe people can not understand that where you're like, wow, this is a crazy synchronicity. And they're like, yeah, oh, it's just a coincidence. But I think we're kind of trained. That's the judgment you get from the start of your life to judge things like that instead of maybe being more open to what it could mean.
1: I think so too. And I also think that it's really important to maintain a healthy skepticism. I'm actually very pro-atheist, yeah. which is interesting because I consider myself very much a theist and a person of faith. But what I like about the atheists that I know by and large is that they're open-minded and they're willing to really question and think deeply
2: about things.
1: They don't just take things at face value the way so many people
2: do. Yeah, I agree with that. There's a harmony of the science and spirituality that's like they like both work together.
1: It's weird for me because I've become so strong in my faith over the last 20 years. But I remember distinctly sharing the same experience as you and Ricka which is the early years, like my first two to three years of my spiritual search, I really focused on the intersection of science and spirituality. That was so important for me as a bridge to cross.
0: Yeah, I had to prove to myself, like I got out a lot of books and stories and information about reincarnation. And I wanted to prove. And a lot of these things You have to take on faith. And it took several years before I developed that faith that I didn't need the proof anymore. But in the beginning, I did.
1: Why don't you need proof anymore?
0: Because of a big spiritual awakening that I had where I just knew that I was connected to God. And after that, everything changed. I couldn't go back. I just knew that there was so much more to life than I had ever imagined because I felt and knew that connection.
1: Now, one thing I realized for me is a huge source of reassurance for me is I do believe in eternal existence. I don't necessarily believe in a very like Judeo-Christian concept of heaven, but I do believe in reincarnation. And I believe not only in the fact that we're eternal beings, but also that we do maintain some quality of personhood beyond this life, like a sense
2: of who we are? Yeah, that's some good conversation because I think a lot of that um, looking at science uh, to kind of overcome some things that I didn't really believe or trust. What I ended up going by is when I research, I look for patterns or like how often does this happen? So reincarnation is a good one because really at face value, I'm like, nah. But just seeing how many times people say that they are a reincarnation of something or in a certain state, like when it comes to near-death experiences where people will then talk about it afterward. There's too much of this happening along a wide array of people for this to not mean something. I I agree. And I read a
0: lot of books about children who had spontaneous recollections of other lives that they had had. Hundreds of stories of children that would say, yeah, I was married to her before, and they're three years old. And those were very compelling to me, those stories. And there was a scientist who was going around the world and collecting all these stories and putting them
2: in books. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the near-death experiences. When I would read all of the different things people had to say, and sometimes how Similar they were, even if the study was done by a different scientist or people in different countries. And it's the same thing with the UFO abductions, where even that is even a higher degree of do I even believe that, even though that's not like a spiritual thing or a science thing. That's like some fiction, right? Aliens, UFOs. But there's just so much data out there of people in different countries and different languages saying the same thing, but they never would have heard each other. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I think that's a really interesting way to accumulate evidence for things. And for me, you know, I don't know exactly where I stand on that extraterrestrial issue, but I just want to underline that when you're approaching a sensibility of building your own reality, your sense of what's true, that's one of the ways that you put your finger on the pulse of things. What are shared human experiences that are cross-cultural? That seems like a pretty compelling source of truth for you.
2: Yeah. And really the foundation of all that is how is it We can experience, come up, and communicate these things. We have this weird gift as humans of this awareness. Like, nothing else really has that. And so we can't even use the scientific method to explain what we have because we have nothing to compare it to. But even though it's like I want to know where did our consciousness come from, how are we like this, the the one thing, though, that comes back to my spiritual experience was like the feeling that everyone is connected, that, wait, what if everyone is this shared consciousness that is, for me, what feels like what God is. We are just having these specific experiences as matter so that we can experience it. But why? I don't know. But because of the reincarnation and all that, it makes me think these things are passed down for some reason. So
1: one of the things that's really huge for me that aligns, I think, very well with what you just said is when it comes to a personal ethic and my sense of how I know what is true, there is definitely a strong sense of what have I experienced, right? Like this inner sense of knowing. And some experiences are very hard to convince other people about because they're so personal. They basically just happen within you, right? And there's really nothing that anybody could see or you can't convince people. I think that's kind of the beauty of it is, it's like meant just for you to kind of sit with and understand. But for me, probably my biggest source of spiritual growth consistently throughout my life has been my Buddhist sources of meditation practice. And that's also where I spent the most hours meditating is these Buddhist uh, techniques of sitting that I learned over the years. And in that space, in those retreats that I've been on and those hours that I've spent, I have felt so strongly exactly what you just said, like this overwhelming joy that comes over me, knowing, not wondering or thinking, knowing within myself... Yeah. We're all connected and the only kinds of things in this world that would be good are things that everybody could have access to. Otherwise, it's just not natural. It, not only is it not just, it's not natural and I can just feel it. Things that are good are good for every human being.
2: Yeah, there's definitely this feeling, like you said, I can't explain it, but the closest thing that I think we all can say we feel, it's almost like we're all connected and it's supposed to be like love, positivity.
1: Yeah. It's, so yeah. So let's dive into some more personal issues now. Let's take the conversation yeah. towards dreams. I want to just make sure that people got yeah. the full accounting of how you and I came together as dream interpreter and podcast coach. It's pretty cool. So we have this old roommate we both lived with at different periods of time. Close friend of both of ours. Really positive influence on both of us. And as you were saying earlier, when you were in a period of really trying to do the best for yourself, both physically and mentally you were coming to your personal trainer guy, this friend of ours, and saying, I keep having these compelling dreams. And that's when
2: he wanted to introduce you to me, right? Yeah, that's right. I guess once I got to this point, I felt like he'd even said that, like working with me, I've got everything down. I could work on my physical health. I think that's the main thing. But and it's like, what's the next thing? And one thing he did mention to me was um, doing the 10-day meditation. And the other thing also had to do with the dreams because i would have these dreams where i'm like okay now that i feel like i know more about our reality i want to be open to things i want to dive into my dreams because sometimes i wake up as if i've had this experience and it's oh it's almost like when you get out of a movie and you want to think about it and like oh can i take anything away from that and so yeah that's how he linked us up and and i think when we were first talking i don't think you were even considering a podcast yes is that correct
0: yes that is correct (laughs) And yeah. actually, you had, had a dream that said this was not a good time to do something like this.
1: Yeah, let me just kind of tell this story and put this in order. So you brought some dreams to me, and we started working together on dream interpretation. And that went on for some months. It wasn't just like a one-off thing. And after some months, you felt like you had gotten enough benefit out of that, that you were very kind, and you wrote to me and you said, if you ever wanted to do anything, with this skill, I would be happy to help you in any way that I can. And then you told me a little bit about your background with social media marketing and the fact that you had Gundam Explained, you had your own YouTube channel. And um, not long after that at all, I put it to a dream. I did what we call incubating a dream, which we created some podcast episodes about. We've got a video that covers that in one of the chapters. And so I asked basically, what would it be like if we tried to bring dream interpretation out into the world. And my dream very clearly said, while that's not a bad idea, this time is not a good time. Just shout that. And I was like, well, that's disappointing. (laughs) Because I was already feeling pretty excited about it. When you brought it up, I was thinking that is probably something I'd like to do, but my dream guidance couldn't have been clearer. It was not a good time. And I, a number of months passed and I had another dream and it was like, now is a good time. And that's when I reached out to you and said, we're thinking about doing this. You know, are you still interested in pitching in? Wow, that's great. Do you remember any of that from your side at all?
2: Yeah, because I remember bringing it up to you. I remember when you said you wanted to, to actually do it. I was like, wow, well, this is neat from the ground up. I get to help so, just use the process I used and teach it to them. Yeah, and, and I thought it was cool because... It was also helping me, you know, being able to talk to you about this process, understanding from the other end, what are the questions people have?
1: I hope it really has helped you a lot. It has certainly helped us a ton. Mm -hmm. Our meetings about how you start a channel were really beneficial to us. The first couple of meetings, you were able to tell us so many things about your process. And I just curiously took notes. And we used a lot of those things early on, making really big decisions like, are we going to create a podcast? Are we going to create a video-based YouTube channel? Are we going to do both? What are the pros and cons? We ultimately decided to do both. So have you helped us think about all of those things. You brought a specific model that we could wrap our head around to us. And then we were able to decide from there what elements we could use and what we needed and what we didn't to get this project off the ground.
2: Yeah, that's good. And I got to say, I love what it's turned into because it's really coming from not sure if content creation is something you want to do to then actually having content that I subscribe to and listen to. So yeah, it's almost like I produced my own uh, content. That's awesome, man.
1: <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we really appreciate your support. So and it means everything because the whole reason that we wanted to do this in the first place is you know, more than 10 years ago, we had our own dream group. And before we moved to Colorado, it was pretty successful and it was vibrant and it lasted for some years, but we still have some relationships with people that it really mattered in their lives. And we called that in-person group DreamSpeak as well. And so we always wanted to be able to share that. And so a big motivation for us has just been bringing this to a wider audience so that we can have that experience that we used to value so much. Mm-hmm. So you've talked a lot, Adam, about that peanut butter sandwich moment it's emblematic of how you realize that you had a certain capacity for focus and if you brought your mental powers to bear and just brought your mind willfully into the present you could have experiences that you experienced in the quiet room at Microsoft on psychedelics and during meditations and you felt that there was something about those experiences that also reminded you of experiences
2: you had through dreaming right yeah. And it's one of those repeatable things that I look for. And I noticed what would happen a lot is when I'm doing something during my waking day and I happen to be really focusing on something that would make me remember a dream that I'd had before. And it happens often. It happens enough to where I can recognize what is happening. And so I don't know how much of that is because I'm focused. Maybe the last time I was that focused was When maybe I was dreaming. Could that be that the subconscious is trying to surface something back up because I'm in a focused state? My mind is open to that. Yeah. And I think when you're not focused, you're closing your mind off to it trying to tell you something. That's interesting. Yeah. That's why I think there there has to be this relation with focus and focus in terms of, like you said, when you're meditating, you're clearing your mind, you're setting intention. And dreams, you've spoken about, uh, and you guys do this, where you set intention before you go to sleep. So then you can get a message in a dream. So I I think, again, there's more of a connection there uh, that maybe we haven't figured out yet.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think, well, Eris brought this up in in our last guest podcast about the different levels uh, and states of consciousness. Uh, When you're really focused, maybe you're in a different state of consciousness where you can connect with that dream state of consciousness.
2: Yeah, and time. I think when you're focused you're not thinking of time. When you're in a dream, you're not thinking of time or things aren't bound by time. Yeah. That's like a, yeah, another w- way to get yourself at that level.
1: Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think Eris Klein did make some really interesting points about time because her basic experience tells her that the past, present, and future are one. It's not a theory for her. She has lived a life that tells her in countless different ways that what we perceive as a linear flow of time essentially doesn't exist, That we're multi-dimensional beings and we have the ability to access different points in time. It's just that we have agreed to certain kinds of constraints here in this lifetime, that we've taken on a certain form of existence, but that time is eternal or all one. And so I think when you get in those focused states, One of the things I wonder is whether we lose track of time because it's not a reality anyway.
0: I think most of us have a really difficult time relating to that because...
1: I do. Yeah, I do. Definitely. It's not like I have a lot of personal experience with that. No. I've had the meditation thing where I can lose time and kind of feel at one feel like I'm in a present moment that just goes on for a while.
0: Well, when you get in that flow state, for me, it's when I'm gardening. I can completely lose track of time. So it's it's a very interesting concept.
1: That's also a great example of how much we're learning from working with the community that we're trying to build. That was something that she brought to me, and now I can't stop thinking about it, you know?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Every time I come up with a a theory or something or some of my experience, I like to tell you because it's almost for you guys to like have some more data to use. Uh, Because, yeah, there's probably so many people around the world that have some sort of experience or feeling, and they don't know what it is or who to talk to about it, and they just don't say anything. And who knows if that is something that can inform them. But there's not many people you can talk to. I agree.
0: Not that many. I just wanted to bring up that there was a book that helped me to understand this concept better than... Anything else that I've ever heard or understood? It's called the Oversoul Seven Trilogy by Jane Roberts. She was that woman who channeled the entity called Seth. Speaks. Have you ever heard of that? No, I'll have to look into that. This book is actually not a channeling. It's just um, supposedly, you know, fiction, but based on what was learned from. All the channelings that she did, I think, over a period of several years. And there's this over soul that is in charge of different aspects of a soul. So I'm a soul, but I also have a life 30,000 years ago and 2,000 years in the future and 100 years ago. So there's these different parts of this soul that are all experiencing life at the same time. And there was something about reading that book that helped me to understand that we could actually have all these different lives going on at the same time, and they influence all of the other lives. You might find that book interesting. You'll
2: yeah, have to check that out because all that stuff makes sense because, you know, if you look at ancient texts, and or like the Egyptians, they talk about stuff like that. And so a lot of times it's like, I want to try to take ancient writings more seriously than I kind of would uh, at face value, especially if this author was channeling someone.
1: We should probably talk a little bit about what channeling is. Yeah. I mean, not like we have such a deep understanding of it because we don't personally channel. Uh-huh. But what is channeling in your opinion?
0: And Well, I think there's different kinds of channeling, and I have known some people who channel, and sometimes, like Jane Roberts, she wasn't conscious when she was channeling. She didn't remember what came through her, and I think it was her husband who would record it, and then she would only find out afterwards what it was that came through her. But some people are conscious channels where they are basically awake. But
1: and what is it that they're doing?
0: Well, they're allowing themselves to be used to bring ideas forth from
1: other beings and other levels of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So, who are these beings?
0: Well, I guess they can vary quite a bit. So people that I've known have channeled, um, you might know some of the beings like um, Archangels or Melchizedek or Master Hilarion or different beings from different levels of
1: consciousness. Well, it's just a very complex topic. And you've also heard of or known people who will channel entities like Jesus Christ and things like that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So things Mother that everybody Mary, would recognize. Right.
0: I had one friend who did channel Mother Mary and she channeled Jesus and brought forth all this wisdom. And it's interesting because I'm really not sure how I feel about it. Like, are they really channeling Jesus or is this just some other level of consciousness of theirs that is coming through?
2: And mm-hmm, that now, they perceive to be Jesus. Yeah, Yeah. Something that I've noticed from looking at all the UFO abduction incidents, a common theme is, depending on the time, a lot of times an entity would appear as something that person can recognize.
0: Yeah, and a lot of times with the near-death experiences, when people go through the tunnel and they'll see somebody that they might expect to see. Like if they're Christian, they might see Jesus, and if they yeah. they might see Krishna.
1: So. Yeah. I think it's a really rich topic to think about too. This kind of brings back that skepticism and my respect for people that are atheists because these things, in some respect, they're unknowable. And so I think really important to be able to sit with the fact that we can't understand every aspect of this. We have to be always
2: interrogating our own ways uh, that we form ideas of truth. Yeah. And that goes back to where a lot of this stuff is related, like the ancient history. What I learned from that is A lot of times a archeologist will claim, okay, we found this here. So this means this, and it's like, you're an archeologist. You didn't really use the scientific method just then, you know? And I think a lot of times that's glossed over and people don't realize that. So when they are told, this is what happened in the history, for the longest time, people thought mummies were in pyramids, but there has never been a mummy found in a pyramid. It's not, so how much out there is not true. And then it goes back to what we're talking about where you sometimes just go off experience, but is it repeatable?
1: I think that's a good question. And you know, it's interesting that you mention the pyramids and that is a common misconception. And I'm not even sure if I was totally clear on that, but we have a fellow dream interpreter and friend, Julie Lohr, who's kind of upping our awareness of Egyptian culture and some of the things that people like her that are enthusiasts about Egypt see as significant. The things that I really didn't know before, but she is an excellent dream interpreter and just has so much depth and wisdom to offer. And I wanted to make sure that on this episode that we mentioned that she has this book called Symbol and Synchronicity. So it ties together a lot of the things that we've all been talking about on this episode because she brings together things about the Egyptian tradition, things about how Mm -hmm. human beings are essentially symbolic beings. And teaches something about the symbolic view of the world and then goes into her method of how to interpret dreams, which is essentially symbolic as well, which is the way that we do it. And so for her, waking synchronicity and dreaming symbolism are totally linked. Mm -hmm. And we're actually going to do a book review on her book. Yeah. So look for that. And any listeners out there, definitely seek out that book if you feel curious, because I think you'll really find it a rewarding reading experience. It's a great book. That's it. Oh, and also, Adam, something I forgot to ask you is, how do people join your Discord server Mm -hmm. if they want to?
2: Oh, yeah. So on any of my videos, I actually have a link uh, in the description to join the Discord. So that's usually how people end up finding it. And if they did join, what would it be
1: like for them? What kind of experience can they expect?
2: Well, it will be a positive one because what my uh, channel members tend to do in the Discord is there's like a greeting you can do where it automatically populates to click on a greeting and everyone is always greeting new people that join. And that usually gets people pumped. I've heard people many times say this is the best Dunham community they've joined. And I'm not just saying that to say that. I feel
1: proud. You should be proud. And I think as it pertains to this show, what's really been important is that you've shared, you have a personal philosophy of positivity that's really grounded in a deep Mm -hmm. belief about what you think is important in life. And you've expressed that in a way that a lot of people probably wouldn't notice. You know, it's pretty subtle. But the way that you actually moderate this community and the way that you involve other people is about expressing that positivity into the world. So let's talk some about dreams now. There's several themes that you've mentioned that are just things that were curiosities for you. But I'm almost wondering if we could maybe start by you trying to put yourself back in that place when you were feeling compelled to bring dreams to our friend when he was coaching you. What was
2: going on in your dream life at that time? What do you remember about that? Yeah, so... When I would have these dreams, it's just that they have a lot of information to where it's almost like, man, I could be writing out short story of, about just what happened. But why did all these things happen? And earlier in life, I would just kind of be like, yeah, it's just a dream. It's just my neurons firing on memories and making up things that make sense to me. But uh, the reason I decided to dive deeper is because I know I've had situations with dreams that I just cannot explain. That means there has to be more to it. So you brought... A few dreams to discuss that you think might be
1: related to each other. Why don't we just start with whichever one you want to tell us about first?
2: Yeah. So the first one that I thought maybe I was able to interpret right away was the one with our mutual friend. It started where he was putting me into a boat that was in the water or river. And then he pushes me out in the boat and I'm looking around and I go, hey, how am I supposed to paddle? And then he's telling me, you'll be able to figure it out on your own. And what it was is he was inviting me to a cabin with some other people. And once I get there, then I find myself in what looks like the Grand Canyon because it's deserty, uh, and there's a lot of the eroded rocks everywhere. And I'm doing a little scavenger hunt. And for some reason, I'm looking for these little Nintendo figurines I used to collect. And my first thought was, since I look up to our mutual friend as sort of like a mentor, both in terms of physical health, but also mental health, You know, I just saw it as him telling me to trust him or that he's my mentor. And that's why he showed up like that. I think that that is right on target.
1: This friend of yours is an aspect in your dream. And because I do know him, we can throw out there. He's a very mindfulness, meditation, self-improvement focused person. Mm -hmm. And so I think a great place to start with this dream would be to just talk about what qualities you see in this person. I think you probably are right. This is symbolizing mentorship, essentially. So a part of you that has the capacity to mentor you, if that makes sense, because it's not the person, right? It's an aspect of you. But why don't you tell us some of the qualities that you associate with the person in waking life? Because that's going to give us a clue as to what part of you this is.
2: I look up to him as a mentor, but in the areas of general, overall physical fitness, uh, as well as mental. So this could be like meditation, he suggested. A retreat to me a couple of years ago that I went on. And I feel like when it comes to whenever I am questioning what's best for me mentally or physically moving forward, expanding my mind, being the better person I can be, I always know I can look up to him like an authority figure. Adam, why don't you tell us a little bit about that retreat that you did? And when our mutual friend and I would meet up and discuss things, I, I noticed a lot of people when they go through challenges in life and those challenges help shape them. And I and I felt like I didn't have many of these sort of challenges in my life that some people had gone through. And he recommended, well, try doing a week-long silent meditation. <laughs> and the place that is just 45 minutes from me. So yeah, I decided to check it out. And, you know, the first few days were pretty crazy. I missed my family a whole lot. But then I just started remembering all of the horrible things that are happening in the world and where I happen to be and where my family is. And it just made me feel calm. And then I embraced it. And even during that retreat, uh, every day I had a dream, a very vivid dream that told me a lot. It was an amazing experience that I would definitely do again. And I think because of prior meditation and the guidance that I got from our mutual friend, I was prepared for it and it went well. Well, Thomas
0: and I can really relate to that because we have both done that 10 day meditation retreat. And it is very challenging and can bring up a lot of things for you.
1: That was actually the basis of our mutual friendship with the person that is in the dream that Adam is sharing with us here on this episode. So we'll get back onto the dream just because we're so curious to hear more about it. It's interesting that you mentioned those qualities and especially the way that you use the term authority figure with our friend and the role that he plays in your life because he is a mentor for you in a real sense. And so what's interesting about this is even though he would appear at first to be a conscious aspect because his gender matches yours, because of the very special mentorship relationship you have and the way that you view him, this is actually going to be a super conscious aspect. So just in brief, as a recap for our listeners and go check out our video about people in dreams. If you want to look at the last section about super conscious aspects, you'll get a lot more insight there. But- essentially they tell us how we're relating to divinity. So if you are an atheist or a person who's got a very secular mindset, what we mean there is the way that you believe the universe works. Everybody has opinions on the bigger questions of life. And when we have a super conscious aspect that we can identify in a dream, its job is to give us an update on the way that we're viewing divinity or the laws of the universe. And so what we think is going on with Your friend in this dream, Adam, is that he's representing that you have a real open-minded attitude right now, and that you're very focused on your spiritual growth during this phase in your life, and that you're actually having these positive spiritual changes and growth experiences taking hold inside your life. Do you feel like that's true for you right now? I do. I really do. Yeah. When you started telling us about this dream, I got excited for you, because we've mentioned many times already in the philosophy of dreaming, dreams always speak to us in the present tense. There actually are not speculative images in a message stream ever. There's only images that tell us what is happening right now. And so if we can pin down an image like your friend being in this stream and figure out that it's saying that you're making spiritual progress, you are. It's not like you might. You're actually mm-hmm. changing for the better right now. So that's pretty neat, reassuring part of this dream. So why do you think you were digging up Nintendo figures? And let's not lose the image of the canyon
2: either. We'll come back to that in a minute. Why were you digging up these little Nintendo figures, do you think? And using some of your suggestions, a lot of times it's what can you associate that with in your conscious life? And those Nintendo figures, I think it's been about 10 years now since I was collecting them, but generally part of this period where I was just collecting video game related things all the time. And then there was a point where... It was very easy for me to say, you know what? I don't need this stuff anymore. And I sold everything. And in fact, by selling it, it set my credit up in the right spot to purchase a home. And I feel like it's an interesting alignment. And so I associate that with the abundance of material things that I may not even need. So yeah, I'm not too sure what that's supposed to be telling me in this dream. I think we
1: may have an idea now. It's interesting because your spiritual practices are telling you over time that The here and now and your family and love and things like that are what are really lasting, where material things are not as lasting. Mm. Is that something that resonates with you or am I starting to head off track here?
2: No, I think that makes sense. It's something that I think I have been realizing as I feel like I am going through a major spiritual change over the past few years. And part of that is less reliance on the material and more importance on relationships with people, but not just my family, but even people outside my family, and I think COVID came at a time where I was already in a position to want to have more relationships, but that made it hard. Yeah. So I think what might be
1: important about this Nintendo figures in this message is not finding them, but actually the fact that in Waking Life, you had the courage and the new perspective to let them go. You said that it helped create the circumstances for homeownership. That is a huge contribution to your family's well-being. Yeah, I agree. And I think it ties directly to that super conscious aspect of your dream that's basically representing maturation and the fact that you can have your own compass point and trust your growth
2: path and you're actually growing and changing right now. And I even wonder too, if we're considering right now, what, what that could relate to is I'm collecting these Gundam action figures for my channel and the other stuff I do and Sometimes I even think, you know, am I buying too many? What am I going to do with these? They bring me joy. And I do limit what I get, but I still think sometimes, oh, I have too much. And I don't know if uh, that dream is also a reminder of that, of you went through a phase of collecting these material things that you realize you didn't need, or somehow it's saying how I can turn that into something positive like I did by getting a home. And yeah, I didn't think about it that way because I use a lot of the Gundam stuff, these action figures model kits as part of the YouTube channel. And the channel successful and it's growing. So maybe that's a way of saying these material things I am putting to good use. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think it probably is along those lines. And I think something that might help shed a little light as we tie this stream up and look at the next one is, and they're interrelated, but you've got that image of the canyon because you were talking about the Grand Canyon. Yes. And yes. the thing to realize about dream images like these is they can really have a big, big important message for you even though they're just laying in the background they're just latent in the setting so the grand canyon as most people would agree that have seen it is incredibly impressive right it's one of those things that's pretty awe-inspiring and what you can do is you can take into account how that thing exists because the truth of our reality is that everything around us is actually a process there's no such thing as a fixed grand canyon it happened because of a process and that process continues to mold the canyon today you know the basics of how it came about, right, Adam, how it was dug, <laughs> so to speak.
2: Yeah, uh, water, from what I understand, like as glaciers were melting, possibly due to an ancient meteor impact or something, rushes of water were coming down North America and just digging through the rock, creating the canyon. Mm-hmm.
1: And the Colorado River specifically is this water course that has basically carved this deeper and deeper, and it continues to do that. And so rivers actually are a pertinent symbol in this dream and a river can represent the course of our life. And oftentimes rivers represent the course of our life in a bit more of a spiritual sense because whenever we are getting objectivity, we're also getting more spiritual perspective on something too. So watching the river flow is like taking in what's happened in the bends and turns of our life.
2: Yeah. Would you say sort of like just, um, just going with the flow?
1: ideally uh, in a way yeah i mean you could picture a dream that's not your dream but a dream where there's like rushing uh cataract of water and it's crushing everything and all these trees are falling in that wouldn't be going with the flow but your dream yeah. is more of the going a flow style and the reason that i feel that way is because of the grand canyon it's this awe inspiring thing that has been created by going with the flow over a very long period
2: yeah and i also associate the grand canyon with ancient wisdom but there's a lot of petroglyphs in that area When I went to visit it as a kid, there was a lot of Native American stories and things we were learning about that. And part of my spiritual journey is I have this reverence for ancient people, ancient knowledge, that there could be so much we could learn from our past that would bring more peace to us that maybe we've lost to time. I'm with you. And not only that, Adam, but I think that that level of meaning is
1: clearly in the symbol as well, because those personal association and yeah, go ahead.
2: That also remind me, because you've brought up daytime, nighttime, and dreams before, this dream was entirely nighttime. Ah. And I don't know if that has any other aspect. Just
1: in the sense that nighttime for you in this dream would indicate that this is something you're just gaining awareness of right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're gaining awareness of how fruitful your spiritual life is for you right now, and then also gaining awareness of what the canyon and the river represent, which are basically that you may have been working on some of these things spiritually for a very long time. And that that ancient wisdom that you have and that can come to you from other cultures and traditions that has come to you from those avenues is a really positive force for you. And something that you've talked about with us before that's pertinent here is being discriminating about what sources of ancient wisdom you're drawing from. You're also becoming aware that you want to discriminate and choose the sources of wisdom that are uplifting you, right? Not the ones that are confusing you or darkening your
2: psychology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, that is part of the next dream. So should I get into yeah. that or anything else we want to... Absolutely. Let's hear about the next one because we think they're tied together. Yeah. So the next one, which also the one after that is probably related was, I was in a mansion that belonged to this family that I used to do private security for. Um, but in the dream, the mansion was almost partly destroyed. It was nighttime When I was there, there was a mother figure and a brother figure. And through the course of the dream, I realized the mother figure was almost evil. And I realized that I was actually being kidnapped, but didn't realize it. And when I realized it, I would try to escape. And I remember thinking, oh, I know this area because I used to work here. And so I'm sure the security people I know are here, but I can't let them know that I'm trying to escape. But every time I would escape, that evil mother figure would Uh, come down on a black dragon to come and grab me and take me back. And then I remember speaking with the brother and it's like he wasn't aware of it or anything. Uh, So at one point when trying to escape this mansion, I remember I would run into a woman that I don't know if she was a reporter or journalist, but she knew I was being kidnapped. And she was just telling me that she's trying to find the evidence so she can help me. But until then there's nothing we can do so you know from that my main first takeaway was because i did a little research and i know there's different ways to interpret it was like a dragon could mean knowledge or wisdom And, and we were talking about how i like to seek ancient knowledge even to the degree of looking at ancient history and thinking there's a lot of things we're probably not told that's been hidden from us hasn't been figured out yet and i think sometimes i get too in the weeds and i get caught up into it and i make assumptions and I really strongly feel like this dream was telling me to kind of stop having to seek that sort of conspiratorial knowledge and just kind of stick to more of the general wisdom that we can share between each other and not really have to guess or assume. Mm-hmm. Um, sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't really serving you to go into those dark places. And it can really mess with your mind when you start going down that rabbit hole.
2: And something else that happens from that is I'll go online or social media, and when I'm trying to seek out this information or talk to others about it, because it's mainly conspiratorial, sometimes it gets toxic. And and I have this sort of injustice complex where I hate seeing people being rude to others, and then I realize I get stuck in this loop. I have a thought about our ancient past, and me seeking it is almost like this other layer of seeking a spiritual growth. But I guess what I'm figuring out is that's not the place to go to do that. Or that's not the route to take.
0: And we should go into the symbol of the dragon because that's really powerful. So what do you think the dragon means for you? What are your
2: associations with dragons? Yeah, that's that's a good one. On the surface, I think dragons are cool. They come up in video games. It seems like a mythological creature that may have not even existed. In fact, if I go down that path of historical ancient... Research or wisdom or knowledge, something I concluded was the dragon came from the name of what one race of ancient man called another when they met them because of the way they looked to their faces. And they just call them a dragon. That had nothing to do with the dinosaur or wings or anything. So it being used in future literature or artwork was the depiction of that ancient hominid that it could have been Denisovan, Neanderthal. So when we see pictures of a knight battling a dragon, that's kind of showing. Homo sapien defeating the other person they were sharing the planet with, which not necessarily a good thing okay. or not, but that's kind of what I've concluded. That's really cool. So
0: what Ted Andrews says about dragons, the main symbolism that he talks about is facing your fears
1: and doing what needs to be done. That resonates with me, Adam. Does that resonate with you from the stream with the kidnapping and having to be returned repeatedly on a black dragon? Do you think there's anything in your life where you've been facing your fears?
2: Yeah. You know what? That is interesting thinking about it. If I am, to think of some parts of my past, I think when I first got into my marriage, my relationship, there was a lack of communication in areas that's really important. Sometimes I felt like I was trapped. Hmm. And I think I have, in the past few years, gotten out of that. Part of it is me taking responsibility for certain things, thinking about family first in a lot of situations. Not that I was purposefully... Being irresponsible, but kind of growing out of being the child into an adult, selling off my stuff to pay for things and get the house. So, that, yeah, that kind of relates. I really think you're right, Adam. And I think
1: an underlying theme of both of these dreams is the transition from childhood to adulthood. hmm And yeah. you know what? That almost then makes the next dream make even more sense. Go for it. If you think we're ready. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely ready. Because you had these dreams, if I'm not mistaken, one day, then the
2: next day, and then the third day. And they all seem to tie together. Is that right? Yeah, this next one was the same location as the previous dream at that mansion, except it was daytime, it was outside, and I was hanging out with my wife. And we were just walking, and I was showing her this is where I used to work. There's so-and-so over there, and there was a lot of people around, like construction workers, which was normal when I would work there. Um, And at one point, we're walking, and then she's like, oh, I need to go use the bathroom. I'm like, well, I don't think we can do that here. But then she finds one and just walks off to do it on her own. I'm like, okay. And then I remember sitting down on the grass just to talk with, someone else that was there i think in my mind they were a construction worker and then my wife comes back and sits down with a magazine and it's a magazine from japan showing some of those gundams and we're just sitting there talking and looking at it and it was a very pleasant dream it's as if each night prior i would have a dream come to a realization and that would impact the next dream and then impact the next until my subconscious was satisfied with how i felt about each dream
1: that's right that's a great way of understanding that series of dreams, like the impact it was having on you.
2: Yeah. And I didn't think about it before, but my wife being in that third dream, it, it almost answers that second dream when I felt like I was being kidnapped by the evil mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the third dream, she's no longer there. The evil, And now it's my wife, who I even think recently, if the past few years, we've been improving the family life and everything. So, yeah. I'm sure you're right. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I think just uh, seeking kind of spiritual knowledge or a way to better improve myself, not just for me, but for everyone has had an impact. And even when I sold those in my video game collection, that was even after I discovered meditation. And so it's interesting that meditation probably helped me surface that best path forward. And we were talking about before, less material, but more focus on relationships. And then that has just continued to improve. And so by me and my wife sitting down in the grass during the day reading a magazine that had something of interest to me, that's like the opposite of a nightmare. It's like best case scenario Yes, for a drink.
1: And it ties everything together because the reason that Gundam imagery showed up in the third daytime dream is because it shows that this interest as kind of a job to support your family can all be harmonized with the things that are good for your spiritual growth
2: your relation. Wow. Your Do you see it? Okay, go ahead. No, I was going to say, because then that's another little parallel, because the first dream had me on a scavenger hunt for Nintendo figures. The last dream was looking at a magazine with a Gundam. It was showing that transition. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's right. And there's another
1: really interesting contrast between Dream 2 and Dream 3, because the figure that was kidnapping you And just a side note, the reporter thing, the universal significance of a reporter in this context would be that she's hunting for the truth. She, aspect of your subconscious is basically like, hey, pay attention to this. This is what's important. Be aware you're being kidnapped. So something was militating against your own free will, right? Yeah. And that thing that was contradicting where you want to go and what you want to do was a maternal energy. Yeah. But then the thing that's helping you move forward is the energy around your wife, right? Yeah. So maternal energy, childhood, your wife's energy, adulthood. Well, there is so much more that we could go into here, (laughs) but I think that you've gotten a lot out of this dream already, out of these three dreams. And you can see that they're all related by a common theme. And it seems like you are making a lot of progress using what you've learned from these dreams. And that's always the goal.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other thing, I always say this, it's whenever I tend to have these flurry of dreams over a period of a few days is when I have possibly spoken to you both, either just a call or in person. Mm -hmm. And that seems to like trigger. So it's very interesting.
0: Yeah. We find that happens with people all the time when they stay at our house, when we're visiting, they tend to have more dreams or they'll say, well, I never dream. And then the next morning they're like, hey, I had a dream. (laughs) (laughs) And it's because they have people who can help them with it and your soul's always trying to help you improve.
2: Yeah. I'd relate that to the idea of like shamans that will give people visions to kind of help them with things. You hear that in ancient stories and mm-hmm. that's what's going on here. Absolutely. Yeah. And the most amazing thing is that
1: they're available directly from us each night. It's pretty crazy. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That is. So we're going to kind of bring this in for a landing, but I wanted to ask you some broader yeah. questions about dreams real quick. Do you have a favorite dream that you've ever had?
2: Yeah, actually. It was the first dream that I was controlling it and it seemed scary, but it turned out awesome. It was, I was in a house back when I was in middle school. So I maybe had the dream around middle school age and I was just in my house and then something happened at the neighbor's house where so I ran over there, It uh, looked where their washer and dryer was, and there was blood all over the floor. I'm like, uh-oh, something happened here. So then I ran into my backyard, and then I look at their backyard, and Satan is in their backyard. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can take care of this. I was scared, but I knew I was dreaming. So I made it where I pulled out a big Gatling gun, and I just started shooting them until I killed him. And it was like one of the first dreams that I knew I was controlling. Do you lucid dream frequently? I used to more when I was younger, like in terms of me yes. being able to control it. Yeah, that happened more when I was younger. It seems like they started getting more detail-oriented as I got older. Why
1: do you think that change might have happened?
2: It could be that when I was younger, it was just the mindset I was in where I wasn't taking dreams seriously. I think as I got older, the layers of judgment I was talking about earlier that people accumulate over time, while I can address some of that in meditation, I'm sure a lot of that is trying to surface in my dreams. So I think my detailed dreams are just my subconscious trying to tell me all these things that have just accumulated over the years.
1: You just brought up something I've never thought about. This is a fascinating point. Our minds are deeply conditioned. Part of Buddhist philosophy is to mm-hmm. really try to take apart the conditioning because our natural state is healthier. And as we've discussed on this episode, perhaps it's also much more joyful. The things that we want are buried under that conditioning. And so if we're so deeply conditioned by all this living, then maybe it would only make sense that we would have much more fixed dreams because in some ways, our whole paradigm of what we think reality is, is really fixed.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think that even goes to when we were talking earlier about younger kids, we're talking about past lives. And that could explain why there's still traditions with like monks to try to refrain from being conditioned yes. by life. Yeah, I know that that's true because the main practice that I
1: benefited from was the same retreat that you went on, the Vipassana practice, which purports to be what Buddha taught while he was alive, which is about examining your physical body, feeling the sensations in your body as a pathway to deconditioning yourself, taking away all of those deeply ingrained conditions off of ourselves.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Funny you brought it up. When I was there, every night I had a dream. And I remembered it. And I think I wrote them all down and sent them to you at one point. And the one that I think people listening would find interesting was I was out in the open field with a bunch of people. And then in the distance, we just start seeing lava shoot up out of the ground like volcanoes. And then I'm standing there and below our feet, we hear rumbling and it starts getting hotter and hotter and hotter until it would come up and then we would die. But then the dream stopped. And I think the dream was really somehow showing the transformation I was going through because of sitting in that meditative position for hours and hours a day does something below me that heats up. So it was related to that.
0: Yeah, that's a really powerful symbol. And I too have sat through that course before and there was just so much that came up through my body that needed to
1: be released. That was very painful. I mean, physically painful. For me, and then you had a message dream that you had all these little bugs, and you had a machine you could put them in that would kill them, and you get a nickel. <laughs>
0: they were they were actually <laughs> the scarabs, I think, were, They were <laughs> like beetles.
1: Interesting, yeah. Of the symbolism with Egypt, yeah. which is also very compelling for Julie yeah. Laura. She talks about dreaming of scarabs in her book. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Symbol and synchronicity. <laughs> mm-hmm. These dreams, the messages are always for our benefit. They're trying to teach us how to live better. And so Rick getting all these nickels was basically saying this process is really valuable for you. Every little bit of conditioning you take off of yourself is making you richer. It's making you a happier person.
0: Yeah, and it was thousands, so many beatles, and they were all just these The all the conditioning, all the things that I needed to release and let go of, and I letting go of them. I don't know if I became rich. They were just nickels, but <laughs> I a
1: pile <love> of nickels. <laughs> and then Adam, I would say your volcano dream is very much the same thing. I agree with your interpretation that that symbol was about the transformation that you were performing on yourself. And just uh, excerpt a couple of sentences out of one of our most valued dream dictionaries. It says, an erupting volcano is about a release of emotions of which there may be a hurtful release and if the lava is more noticeable, that means the feelings run very deep. And then for us, the universal meaning of heat is essentially that uh, when there's a lot of heat, there's a lot of
2: change. After that, it was when we would plan our coaching sessions for this channel that I would happen to have a dream that night before. I could tell you about it. When strange that I would go periods of time without bring the dreams. And then there was a moment too, and it seemed to all align again, the synchronicity where Remember, I think it was four days in a row of super impactful dreams. And one of them was like a life I lived. I was on trial for something and I thought my life was over. And when I woke up, I was like, oh my God, that was that was right. just a dream. Thank God. And then talking to you guys about it, that was like a two-hour call. That helped feel like internally resolving things that I didn't know had to be resolved. And, and what's interesting is since then, my dreams have not been as frequent or deep. That's like. Remember, almost like I just pass through one phase and another phase is about to begin.
1: It's like you really urgently needed to get some messages so that you could do some inner work and you did it. And I'm super proud of you for that because I really believe that change work is a part of our human nature, that we're supposed to move forward and grow. And our dreams are really great about telling us how successfully we are moving forward. And uh, you have, but I think it's entirely possible that at this time, Your message dreams are just more subdued and more backgrounded because you just need to focus more on your waking life you kind of had the breakthrough that you needed you know and you got the help that you needed to have that breakthrough you did your change work and right now you're just in a healthy phase of doing what you need to do on the waking level
0: and also when we are with people or say we're staying at somebody's house or we're visiting family or whatever because we're there and we can help people with their dreams, they're much more likely to have a dream because your soul knows that there's this resource for you to help you analyze it. And so we find that happens all the time.
2: I wonder how much like the time and space doesn't matter, but the interactions with people like you guys that are really deep into this, maybe there's some sort of vibrational resonance that then reverberates. And whether you're in the same room as the person or just have been talking to the person across the country, those brain waves can be picked up. I agree. I had the dream the night before we I met with uh, Thomas. And that's interesting. It's like, okay, how did my brain know to be ready for that?
0: Yeah, it's very mysterious, isn't it?
2: Well, thank you
1: so much for being a guest with us on the show, Adam. It's been such a pleasure to come full circle. You've been our most ardent supporter and most long-term supporter and the one that's really helped us see the vision that we could bring DreamSpeak to life. And now here you are sharing a little bit about your dream work on our show. And it means a ton. So thank you for being on.
2: Yeah, it really does. Oh, you're welcome. I I appreciate being able to get this insight through the dreams. It really changes my life. It's awesome.
1: Man. I would just like to share again with our listeners. This is our podcasting coach. This is our YouTube coach. This is our friend who has been our longest term supporter, who's kept us on track who gave us a map to follow to develop DreamSpeak. He's wonderful to work with. He has a lot of experience, and he's got a lot of knowledge and skills, and he does offer podcasting coaching as a service, so you can reach out to him if you'd like to at adamblue.com. And furthermore, he is the host of Gundam Explained, which is an anime interest channel, and it's a really fun, interesting project. If you are an anime fan or just anime curious, and Adam is really good at just introducing people to it in a low-key way. And he makes it really fun and interesting. It's always cool to watch things on his channel. So, Adam, it's been wonderful having you on the show. And I feel like I kind of just butchered that yes. resume. Is there anything that you want to make sure that people know <laughs> as we're leaving our episode here?
2: No, that's about it. AdamBlue.com has all my stuff. If anyone wants to reach out to me, feel free. But really, what is just awesome, thanks for having me on. I love to talk. So it's awesome I get to talk about this subject too. I love this. And yeah, be able to do this is awesome. And the fact that I feel so proud how you guys have the positive notes on me helping you with the channel because it's awesome to see this happen because this is stuff I like. Wonderful.
1: Adam, thank you so much. And to everyone else out there listening, have a wonderful, restful night and keep dreaming.
0: You can find this podcast on all popular streaming services. Email us a dream today at contact at dreamspeak.us. Check out our YouTube channel for a free introductory dream course. Connect with Dreamspeak for even more learning. Our socials are in the description. Our theme music was composed by me, Rika. This podcast does not constitute medical advice. If you have concerns about your well being, talk to your doctor or a mental health professional.